So today we are going to be talking about patriotism, and we've done this intro once already. But yes, then we have. People started messaging me. That was quite exciting. But uh, we've done a little bit more research this time, haven't we, Brandon? Yes. Oh uh, yeah. We've not done loads, but we've done yeah. enough. Like. And if I haven't mentioned already, I am joined by Brandon again uh, for the second episode, which is yep. great. And um, so, do you want to give us a little definition of what patriotism is? Because in all my research, I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, well, I did a Google search earlier, and the first definition that came up was um, devotion to and rig- vigorous support for one's country. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that just basically shows someone who has like a strong love for their country and puts it like yeah. in front of what you definitely see that in America because you know every single day, school day, they generally start with the uh, pledge of allegiance to the flag. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm not exactly sure how it is because I don't grow. I didn't grow up in America, <laughs> but in uh, Britain we generally just do nothing really. What about the national anthem? Because <laughs> you could argue the national anthem would be kind of patriotic in one sense because we kind of yeah. all sing it together. Yeah, I mean we we don't really sing the national anthem too much, and I think the only bit I really know is um, God save the Queen. Rule, yeah, God save the Queen. You know, rule Britannia, Britannia rule the waves. I don't think that actually is. Um, is that not part of it? It's not. It should be. I wish it was the um, national oh. anthem. I I honestly don't really know what our national anthem is. I, I wish it was Britannia. Yeah. So you can probably tell what our standpoint is on patriotism. <laughs> just from that. No, we um we have got some solid arguments. So I would like to actually start this discussion off. With of that's okay, Brandon. Uh, with Diogenes, because Diogenes was kind of like the first person to reject patriotism. And this is kind of my standpoint-ish. Um, so Diogenes, he basically wore a barrel and uh, threw his feces and just basically went to the loo anywhere he wanted. Reminds me of, like, I think, was it guerrilla tactics in Vietnam or something like that? Um, I don't or something. Think... <laughs> but it, is there something warfare? Yeah. I, I reckon, I mean, there's probably some sort of poo in everywhere when you're in the deep jungle and all that lot. I think but, it was what Vietnam used to do. Like we used to like um, put feces on. I think like wooden sticks, and people would fall into a trap. And yeah, then. they did. I think it was it was guerrilla tactics or was it, yeah, it was guerrilla tactics. tactics. Yeah. They put spike traps in the middle of the forest and basically covered them up. And so they covered them in feces and stuff, so that when a soldier fell in and cut themselves, like they wouldn't even die. If, but it would it get wouldn't kill them, but it would get infected and kill them slowly. So that's kind of that. That's actually oh wow. Yeah, that's gruesome. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit um, awful. But I mean, Vietnam. And we'll get to that later because yeah. that was a um, part of patriotism. So Diogenes he wore a barrel because he thought that this was the only way to reject um, being patriotic. So this was. I think he was in Athens. No, he wasn't in Athens. He was. He was in one of the uh, ancient Greece cities, and basically. He thought that the only way to reject it was to wear a barrel and to poo everywhere. And he preferred to call himself as a citizen of the world, which, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he is technically. (laughs) Everybody should be really a citizen of the world, and I can get that. But I don't think pooing in a barrel and all that is the right way to go about it. (laughs) I still can't get how over how crazy it is just to wear a barrel. And then that kind of, with the ancient Greece stuff, that kind of leads on to Socrates and Aristotle. So the two kind of big philosophers going around. So Socrates was, well, he was teaching a bunch of students and then Athens decided that he was going against the laws of the country, so decided to put him to death. 
Now, a bunch of his students decided to try and break him out so that he could escape the country. And Socrates basically said, look, no, I've entered into this contract with the country. I've broken their laws, and so I must accept death. And so this is kind of patriotism following it to the point at which he he died. Um, like, what, which era was this? Like, how many um, years ago? I'm not sure when ancient Greece was. I'll have to look I'm down. terrible when it comes to this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm awful. But it was ancient Greece. So, you know, times of philosophers and all that lot. So, yeah, yeah I'm not sure what year that is. <laughs> Probably <laughs> at least over 100 years ago. Yeah, I would say a lot longer. I don't, I'd seriously don't know. It could oh, be no. between 100 to 1,000 years in my mind. <laughs> yeah, so if I was to look up Socrates... If only specialty out of his politics... <laughs> 399 BC was when he died. Oh, damn. Athens. Years ago, like yeah. thousands of years ago. So, yeah, about two, three thousand years ago. Two and a half thousand yeah. years ago, something like that. So he kind of followed his country to the death, which is probably not the best way to follow patriotism, as I'll get into in a little bit. But Aristotle kind of disagreed with that, and instead of, you know, being put to death, he decided to leave Athens because he basically was saying that Athens has already sinned against philosophers and all that lot. And I think this was after the killing of Alexander or something. And, so Alexander um, the Great? I'm I've not heard, sure. Because I've heard that name before, but I don't yeah. know where I've heard it from. Um, I think it may have just been another philosopher or something. But basically, he left the country because he said that they had violated the laws of themselves. So he decided not to be a part of that country anymore. Um, so that's kind of the history of patriotism with philosophers and that kind of stuff. Patriotism all the way back through history and up until now, it's kind of this point of you stay with your country no matter what they're doing, which I think is a bit wrong because that's not really what patriotism is. I mean, if you were to be patriotic, the best way to do it is kind of call your country out on if they're doing something wrong. Yeah, it makes you think of um, Germany... Back in the 1940s, was it? Yeah, the yeah. Second World War, with all the propaganda like yeah. Hitler produced, like to kind of get the Germans to hate Jews and other people in society. So that kind of makes me feel like that Hitler is very patriotic for his country. Like, yeah, and that's how I feel like it kind of goes in line with nationalism because obviously he has extreme right wing views. Yeah, and what yeah. is nat- nationalism again? Um, well, I'm actually not 100 percent sure, but I know it falls in line with like, extreme right wing politics. Okay. Whether like put the country like first more than anything, so strong views against mass immigration, immigration at all, um, like very for the people of the country. So would natural born citizens of the country to have like much more powers than people who join the country, or if yeah. they do, it's so, like um, Nigel Farage's party a bit more extreme, more like the British National Party, I'd say. Yeah. Which I don't really know much about because it's not like that popular especially with like some of their views but yeah it's quite extreme i think um with this natural born citizenship because a lot of uh immigrants can go over to a country have a child there and that child is legally a citizen of that country because they're naturally born there and i think um with this kind of citizenship if they really wanted to have that kind of talk i think even if you were naturally born in a country you should have some sort of citizenship test because if you were, I mean, just being born in a place doesn't really make yeah, you I've noticed that as part of that country. Seems like, I'm not stereotyping anything here, but with America, I think, isn't like a test or something where you've got to know a certain amount about 
America yeah. before like getting citizenship. Yeah. I think I do reason to know that because I watched the Modern Family episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forget which one it was. Uh, oh, um, it was one with uh, Gloria. I think it was trying to get a uh, yeah citizenship, and they ask a bunch of weird questions. Like, but... uh, yeah, it seems like lots of American citizens, like ones who were born in the country, don't know a lot about it themselves. Yeah. Although it's taught in schools over there, because it seems like over here we're not really taught politics or yeah history that much compared to compared America. to America, because like American kids are taught from a young age all the. Um, the presidents and the founding fathers, all this lot, and um, it seems like they focus on American war. politics over there. Yeah, well, we kind of focus more wars over here. Yeah, and that's really it. We focus broadly on Mon- stuff, monarchy probably. as well, like yeah, yeah. queens and kings. Um, so what are your kind of views on patriotism? Because um, well, I'm kind of on the fence, really. It depends, like, what circumstance it's used in, how far it goes. So it obviously is a good thing to, in some respects because it brings people together to kind of support, like one cause so it could be the world cup for example with wanting um england to win people yeah. come together and watch it share their support by putting flags outside in the gardens on their cars yeah but so i think there's a fine line between supporting your country like and being fine with that and like kind of going too far and being unsportsman potentially racist yeah 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 that's a good point because um patriotism kind of comes in line with tribalism so that's everybody belongs in this sort of tribe like um, a lot of politicians use it to get people to follow their points so they make it between us and them so like in football they make it between their team opposition i, I don't watch football so <laughs> I, I don't really either. is it like home and an away yeah so and the away team is that like <laughs> yeah so yeah. they make it between two different types of teams so it'll be like so two teams end up getting violent but like one will play like where from and the other one will go to where they're from to, yeah. to play them on vice versa yeah Something like that. It's like home and away. <laughs> and I think we'll have like different um, attires, like different clothes, like different yeah. like colour patterns to show home and away. Yeah, so like cause... with England, it's, I think with home it's white and with away it's red, I think. Yeah, because every time like there's a big World Cup going on, you always see a lot of news stories going about saying that these opposite teams got into fights. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. just because they support different teams, I think, which is a bit weird. <laughs> like, typically, um, England supporters are do take it a bit far. Like, <laughs> you see other countries and they're like, we want our country to win, but we're not going to like, be extreme about it but lots yeah. of other countries hate it hate english typical football supporters because we tend to go to other countries to watch the match of them and literally just go to like yeah. the pub and just drink loads and get drunk and just mess yeah. the whole place up i've heard like this is a stereotype and i think it's actually yeah. true because there was something in the news quite a few months ago basically saying that um we had to send some police officers over to other countries because uh foreigners were getting annoyed at us coming over and getting wasted in the streets <laughs> And they basically wanted us to clean was, up after ourselves. Was it but Russia? Um, no, that, I think it was, last in, World Cup, it was in it? Europe, I think, during that time. I think last World Cup was actually hosted in Russia, wasn't it? Um, not sure. I'm not, I don't really follow I'm, football. I'm thinking like 70% <laughs> yeah. certain of that. Because I, I've noticed there's lots of facts between Russians and... Yeah. Cause I think someone made like a comment or something saying like about our football team. And someone's got and really annoyed to start getting into a fight with... Wow. So, so th- I think that's kind of the um, toxic part of patriotism. So it ends up being those two types of tribes. So you get like, um, say, for example, you have like America, which is probably one of the most patriotic countries in oh, the world, yeah. um, other than like, you know, China and uh, those type of places. So big kind of superpowers. And uh, yeah. they end up getting angry at everybody else because they're not american so like you'll hear a lot of them going um 
America's number one, and if you don't think America's number one, get out. When there's not really that many statistics to support the fact that they're number one, because, I mean, I think other than the amount of gun deaths and anything in war, they're, they're number one in those. But other than that, they're not number one in a lot of things. So, like, education, uh, equal rights, that kind of thing. And so it's this point of almost blind allegiance so you can still think you can still be very patriotic to your country and think that they're the best but as long as you still point out that the country has problems and you're willing to still be with them despite them and yeah help them with it then i think that type of patriotism is quite good because as long as you're there to improve the country because everything can be improved uh, that's kind of better than just following it blindly for no reason. I think the same thing happened with, you know, the Vietnam War? Oh, yeah. Was so, it the 1960s, 70s? Yeah, because I was talking about this with you earlier as we were walking up, and it was the Washington Post that uh, released some private classified information about the Vietnam War, basically was saying that the only reason America went to war with them wasn't because the reason that they gave publicly. Yeah. So that's when a lot of Americans were like, look, this is wrong, we need to pull out of Vietnam. Also, like, the Miele crisis. Yeah. Where the I, I went, I think, to Miele, and an American soldier, I think, jokingly said, um, I, I think I can see a gun over there. But then the other soldiers actually thought it was being serious. So they shot literally through this building or whatever like yeah, a structure I, I mean there's like, literally families inside of there yeah and when like they stopped shooting we looked in there we saw literally loads of dead children like yeah and mothers and stuff like literally tons of bullets through them and there was no weapons to be found and then i think the guy who um like said that felt like guilt obviously as you would yeah. but i think there's a film made on it it was independence there was an independence didn't day didn't the commander end up um placing a bunch of guns there to kind of distract from the fact of what happened I think so. I'm not 100% because... sure, but I just remember watching it in a film that was based on yeah. the Vietnam War. I do remember there was something like that where basically somebody thought that they saw a gun. Yeah. And then the commander ended up placing a bunch of guns there just to make sure that their squad didn't get in trouble. Yeah, I because... think I was sat in a film, so I yeah. think you're probably correct, actually. Because <laughs> the film's obviously not entirely accurate. <laughs> I think no, watching you know, history. No, films, films can be quite accurate. Well, watching you know? history, do you remember? It was towards the end of year yeah. 10. I forgot what it's called. I think it was um... like. I think after. The guy does this. He goes back home. And like he, he, I think, does, I think he loses a limb or something. Yeah. And he goes crazy. Oh wow! I think he lives with his yeah. mom again, and then he starts like he starts saying "F America, hate America." Like yeah. before he went there, like he loved America and was very patriotic. But when he yeah. came back, he literally just hated. It. It's like, what's the point in all this? Yeah, because it's this kind of fine line between you know following something that you love, because you can have allegiance to anything that you really love so like your friends or uh, your pets like my dog <laughs> um but if they're doing something wrong you would you wouldn't really hesitate to tell them that they're doing wrong so yeah. like if you love your friends but your friends decided to go out and you know beat up an old guy oh, yeah, that's, um that's not that that's ever happened <laughs> you sounded very excited when i said that you're like oh yeah yeah that's happened before it's like you would tell your friend you'd stop them and you'd probably beat up your friends because that's a that's really the part about linking is that I, you see it happening quite a lot where people you see homeless people in the streets especially yeah. like 1 a.m in the morning and you see p- people literally beat up homeless people really yeah it's actually shocking you know um, this was actually in the daytime, I think a few months ago, 
I was waiting at a bus stop and I saw this guy come around the corner and he was like holding his stomach or something. And then people got gathering around him and asked him what went wrong. He said, literally around the corner, someone beat him up, mugged him. Jesus. And then he was literally having hot palpitations. Like yeah. his heart was, I mean, apparently his heart stopped, literally stopped across the road. I mean, I called an ambulance and police and everything. And I think he actually died. Like I literally across wow. the road from the Thomas Cooper church. Wow. Like, I that... didn't know what to do because I didn't know what happened at first, but I saw people yeah. gathering around and I was like, well, it, like, obviously I, I did care about it, but I thought yeah. if I gathered around, it wouldn't make much of a difference. And someone had already um, called the ambulance. It's uh, the bystander effect. Yeah. So if there are other people around, if they're not getting involved, uh, there's less of a chance that you would get involved, that kind of thing. And if other people are getting involved, you don't feel the need to. And I think especially because, yeah. you know, That's how old you are and yeah. you probably wouldn't have had that kind of experience before, so you wouldn't really know what to do. Yeah. It is quite a common thing in England, yeah. like especially one a.m., two a.m. in the morning. Like, do you know where home nightclubs? I think I showed you the other yeah. day. I've I've never been to them because that's yeah. not my kind. It's quite bad because yeah. um, some people who are drunk just start fights with homeless people for no reason. Yeah. I'm literally, like, I'm not even kidding. This person literally punched this homeless person. My nose was literally broken. Yeah. I was thinking, why? What is the point? Yeah, I know. And nothing gets done about it's... it. Like, if we don't get arrested or anything, we just get told to go away and nothing yeah. happens. Homeless people, because over the years we've kind of uh, built up this stigma about them. Yeah, especially that with, yeah. they are something different. Because yeah. nobody ever really wants to think that they can become that. So if anybody starts to think that homeless people are the same as them, they can realise that, you know, that they can end up in their situation. And I think that kind of ends up as this kind of same with tribalism. It's this it, us and them, and so it kind of dehumanizes them a little it bit. It does actually, yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot with the stigma of, I mean, I was walking back from university, and this homeless guy kind of came up to me and was kind of cornering me in this alleyway, which is a bit unnerving because you don't want anybody really cornering you in an alleyway. And he basically asked if I had any money to give him. And I was just like, sorry, I don't have my wallet on me because I didn't because I went to university. And I kind of left my wallet at home, which is often quite a bad thing. Cause I have to do that a lot. Emergency. Got one over yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, and he kind of gave me a funny look and walked off. And it's these kind of people that kind of give homeless people like a bad stigma. Yeah, that's definitely the thing. So sometimes you'll, you'll walk past them when you think, oh, I want to help them, I want to give them money. But then you also think, what if they're on drugs? What are they going to spend on yeah. drugs? And I'm the other day actually, my mum said she was in town and she saw a homeless person, and she, like she was in a rush, so she didn't want to go in, into shop and buy some food. So she just gave the homeless person a few quid, and I think she went into the shop and then she looked out the window and saw another person come up and put something into his hand. So it's probably getting drugs. I mean, yeah. my mum was like disappointed that she gave him the money because he spent it on drugs. Which yeah. isn't. So it's like mean, one of those things as well. There's it's, two ways to kind of look at that. So it's either you can give them money and then it's their choice of what they can spend it on. Because, I mean, you're being kind to them, but if they're doing yeah. bad stuff, it's up to them. Or you can, you know, buy them some food and give them that. But you have to make sure you ask them what they like. Because remember there was this one woman who decided to buy a homeless person a sandwich and he said he couldn't accept it because he's gluten intolerant has celiac disease and then she got really offended at him because he wouldn't accept it it's like if you made him feed that if you make him eat that it would kill him (laughs) i don't think it would necessarily kill him because my uncle's got celiac disease and um you can't have anything i think with gluten is it yeah and like as a result he's eaten certain types of food and he's binge eating on them because like before he would eat all these other foods that he would really enjoy but he can't get that same enjoyment from that food anymore yeah so he's eating other food but he doesn't like it but yeah 
for bathroom really because oh, I think he developed yeah. it a few years ago randomly like oh, he had stomach ache and no one knew what yeah. it was so he went to the doctor and they were saying that I think it's something to do with his body like resisting gluten or something and he yeah. needs to cut down the levels otherwise he could actually wrote his stomach line in a way and he, could, he might not be able yeah. to like eat or do anything properly anymore it ends up um, in certain cases it can end up in death and in like very minor it just bloats you up but um, it's awful because there are pretty much every single thing that we eat has gluten in it. Yeah, so like everything with bread, cereals. I um, think he had to buy gluten-free bread, and apparently his, his girlfriend, even if she put yeah. normal bread in the toaster and took it out, and he put his gluten bread in the same toaster, even if like a few crumbs went yeah. onto his bread, it would be enough to set his stomach off and yeah, have yeah. stomach ache. It's only a tiny amount needed, but uh, it's awful, and I, I don't actually like the taste of gluten-free bread. I I've never tasted bit... it. Actually, I have, actually. Yeah, it's a bit kind of dry, stodgy. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite weird in that respect. I actually like dry bread, which is strange. Really? Yeah, so like, yeah. I love really cheap bread. That's like yeah. my favourite type of bread. <laughs> I really like um, cornbread and sourdough. They're my favourite. I don't have a cheap bread from um, like Aster and Morrison's. Like, mm. really cheap bread that's like 20p. For some reason, I like that bread more than expensive bread. Cause um, I, I, I like crumbly yeah, it's bread. Yeah, right. I think... Um... I, I don't like thick bread. Yeah. I love really thin bread. That's like... That's I kind of like thick bread. I know that's what most people like. <laughs> I, I really like homemade stuff. That's yeah. that's kind of my I've qu- bit. quite opposing views. Yeah, with lots of people. I think I'm um a bit posh in that department, to be honest. Which is <laughs> quite funny. I think with this kind of tribalism, so the same thing with that you see with homeless people, it kind of also goes to immigrants as well. Yeah. And so, like in 2017, the Cato Institute did a research study. They basically looked at statistics from 2014, and they basically found that incarceration rates were lower for immigrants. They found that violent crime rates dropped 16% in areas where um, descendants from immigrants were kind of rising, and same with property crime rates, which dropped by 21%. Uh, They're more likely to get educated and less likely to be living in poverty. Uh, that's because they're kind of more appreciative because most likely in their country that they move from. Was that a UK like report? Uh, this is in the US. Okay. So I think in the US they have uh, they're having a bigger policy with immigrants now because of everything that's going on. Uh, oh yeah, with the, the wall and everything with yeah. Mexico. And um, they also found that the descendants integrated into society more, which than um, kind of more than people who were just born in America anyway, which is kind of funny. And But then you get all these people saying that you got immigrants taking their jobs, so the reason that crime rates are rising and yeah, they I... don't get educated and that they just lay at home living on benefits, where it's just really not that true. See, that's the thing, you know. It's like when people come to the country to work, they're like, oh, well, they're stealing our jobs. And when they don't work, it's like, well, they're not working, so why are in this country? So either yeah. way, like, we can't do anything without kind of being targeted yeah. kind of thing. It's kind of crazy because I think what's kind of happening is that they are kind of using the excuse of immigrants to distract from problems going on in the country because you'll always see like politicians or stuff like that blaming immigrants for the problems happening in their country rather than actually, you know, tackling with them. They'll just tackle with immigration. Like, yeah, definitely. Like, say far, Brexit has caused <clears throat> um, the Conservative Party, I think, to cut 20,000 police officers off the street, which has resulted in. I don't know the exact percentages and figures, but it has resulted in a significant increase in like, knife crime in London, in specific, like specifically. And apparently, I think the Home Secretary, I think his name is Sajid Javid, 
Um, who's actually won to become prime minister in the leadership yeah. contest recently, the Tory leadership contest? But who's like kind of um, brought up on that? Like that since he's been Home Secretary, he's just like cut the numbers of policemen down, yeah. and he's kind of made the country worse. Uh, so yeah. like some people are saying, that knife crime is just going up, increased because of the Parliament and Conservatives cutting it. So it's not always necessarily people's fault or like immigrants' fault for stuff increasing, like knife crime or, or yeah. that stereotype. Anyway, it's sometimes politicians' fault for cutting resources down yeah. or police officers and it kind of makes harder uh, conditions for everybody but um is this if we were to bring that back to patriotism how would you think that uh these kinds of tribalism effects of the country so like immigration or that or how do you think that kind of relates to patriotism itself well i think as the definition of patriotism is devotion to like, like fully full devotion to the country some people feel like that the country's changing from what it was like, let's say, 50 years ago. So lots, of, especially specifically the older generation, like I think people who are like in their 50s and so on, lots of them have the view like the country's a lot different now than it was when we were young because they're now seeing lots of new like diff- immigrants, people from different countries, and some of them don't like that because they feel like the country's been taken away from them. Yeah, because, I mean, the country's more, dis- more diverse than it was, you know, 50 years ago, which I personally think is a good thing. Because that's yeah. kind of more exposure to different cultures and all that lot. Because that kind of enriches per- people's experiences. And, um, I mean, if I'm allowed to talk about uh, the philosopher Kant, if that's all yeah. right. Uh, he basically said that the the way to kind of solve this kind of patriotism stuff around the world is to create world states. So every country is a state of the world. So America is a state of the world, and obviously they have their own substates, and then UK is a state of the world, and um, and so it kind of then you can create this voluntary league of nations, and so like a league of nations is kind of a place where everybody can get together and create um, a place that allows for the rights of people, yeah, and so they think that there should be like a it comes in three levels because you have the state law and the the is it the national law and the state law i don't actually know so the national is countrywide and then the state is within certain places in the country yeah, i think that's another thing with america like different states have different laws yeah. so like abortion and stuff yeah so they all yeah. have different uh viewpoints on it in different areas of the land yeah and so he said that we should have another level of law called the cosmopolitan law so cosmopolitan basically means world citizen back in all the philosophy kind of stuff. And so the League of Nations is just there to create this kind of rights of people because it's the right of the people of Earth. And so we all have a right to live. We all have a right to um, travel places. We all have a right to kind of have an understanding of what we are here to do, that kind of stuff. And this League of Nations, he said, shouldn't have its own solid army. So every state should have their own, every world state should have their own separate army. And League of Nations will just kind of join those armies together when needed as like a federation. So, I mean, it'd be very easy if there were aliens involved here. Yeah, because everyone could go because against Because then aliens. everybody would <laughs> yeah. just band together and uh, compete against the aliens. And they'd probably have much better technology yeah. than us, so I mean, would lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not the ideal state if aliens were here, but 
uh, it would band everybody together because it would create this. Um, so you know, like Star Trek, they have a federation, and it's basically everybody involved in the federation has their own separate army, but they will join together if they need to be, so. and that kind of thing. And so I think that kind of world state idea is much better than the one we have now, because now we have you know isolated, uh, separated borders, and um, not able to share resources that kind of thing like properly and freely and that kind of creates an environment in which we can't really share understandings with each other and it creates separation between different types of cultures uh what do you think yeah i was gonna say um with in, in regards to the league of nations stuff um i believe that already wasn't that going to happen after the first world war woodrow wilson because then he divides the 14 points where yeah. countries would join together to unite um to because obviously after the war, like some countries were in poor state, but yeah. they wanted, Woodrow Wilson wanted to bring those countries together to work together. I think wasn't didn't we learn about it in history? Yeah, I think Woodrow Wilson was that was kind of the basis for is it the United Nations? So that was kind of created after the World Wars, and I think the United Nations was kind of a bit just to bring people force people together after a war. And so whether they wanted it or not, they kind of had to join. So it was built on the principles of um, forcing peace rather than a voluntary organization to promote the rights of people. And uh, I mean, Kant said that the League should kind of operate on like Republican principles and uh, they should respect human rights of everyone rather than, you know, just the first world countries, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, what is a what are Republican principles? Do you know? So Republican, obviously in America, Republicans are like the right wing party, so Donald Trump's yeah. party. So I'm assuming that Republican principles are kind of like some more in line with conservative, say like conservatism, like so more in line with traditionalist, uh, traditionalist kind of views and stuff. So um, economy is important. I don't know, like certain things like that. I kind of probably go in yeah. line with right wing parties. I assume unless it's yeah. a different word. Do you have anything, because I know you study accountancy and finance, oh, yes. do you have anything in regards of a free global economy, that kind of stuff, in regards to if patriotism wasn't so much defined within countries, but to, like, world states? What do you mean by that? Like, So, if we went with the idea of a world state, so everybody was part of this League of Nations and they were all separate, but we had a free global economy... So basically being able to trade with everyone and anyone um, because, you know, we're all part of this earth. And how do you think that that would affect the economy from what we currently have, which is kind of like um, trade borders and that kind of stuff? Well, I feel like if everyone was trading together, it would. I'm assuming it would be good for the economy because... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure because it's more like economics, kind of more than accounting, I'd say. Yeah. But, Obviously, the main argument with Brexit is that um, price is going to go up, so obviously we're going to um, suffer as a result of that. But if, I think if everyone kind of came together like, in the world, all the different countries, I assume would probably have good deals and stuff. But then it also makes me think that, obviously, at the moment with China and stuff, we get really good prices from them because their economy is like, trying to grow, so they're like accepting um, to produce things at a lower price. But if all the countries came together, it makes me think that... Um, would probably help these countries out anyway so maybe it wouldn't necessarily benefit us in a way of kind of gaining capital from these countries yeah. if they're already been helped by each other 
I'm not okay. like 100 sure if that's so. I reckon like the biggest concern of like a free global economy would be more of the fact that we might be giving too much away, because obviously there are a lot of third world countries out there who have a lot less yeah. than what we have, and so we'd have to share more to them than to other countries. How do you reckon that sharing to these third world countries to get them up to like a first world country state, how much do you think that would negatively impact the economy or positively over a long time? Or Well, you see, it depends how you measure it, because obviously if all the countries came together in the world, then you could argue, would there be such a thing as a world economy? Because obviously at the moment we measure economy basically by GDP in different countries, so like the economy of... Um, like GDP value of England or GDP value of Japan, but if all the countries came together and like and came together from literally everything, then you could argue, well, what kind of separates different countries apart? Like, if all the economies kind of included together, would it be classed all together? Or would it still be classed separately? Um, that's actually a fair point because I think that would come into like a a loose world state and a hard world state. So if it was a hard world state, that would kind of be a bit more like a um, philosopher Klutz, a uh, bit of a strange name, but quite nice. Uh, he basically said a single world state, so everybody is just the same. It's the, the same country no matter where you are. Because that makes me think that so that's kind of a like yeah. a hard economy, isn't it? Because it makes me think that how economics works is is that one country would probably benefit if another country really like wasn't benefiting, kind of thing. So obviously, yeah. if we're dealing with Brexit at the moment, if Donald Trump, he knows that he'll have to kind of bail us out and help us after the Brexit, so he might put like make an agreement where it benefits him more than us. Yeah. But like some people think it's benefiting us, so some people reckon that, that the NHS, Donald Trump's going to go after the NHS with Brexit, and uh, I think he came to the UK a few weeks ago, and someone asked him um, with in regards to Brexit, is, is everything on the table including the NHS? And he said, yes, it is. So um, mm. some people worry that he's going to attack the NHS, yeah, and it's going to be bad for us and not benefit us in that respect. How how do you mean by attack the NHS? Because um, obviously the NHS currently is, is free, so yeah. we can get free health services so and stuff. He might privatise it, yeah. yeah. So maybe try and find an excuse to like demolish the NHS and then put like loads of private firms and yeah. people have to pay. Like, some people reckon the Tories are currently doing that. So we're trying to make the NHS look like it's failing, so they've got an excuse to get rid of it, it's just so they yeah. can privatise everything. But America's probably also thinking that, because obviously... With their right wing views, they might, and obviously they have to pay for healthcare over there. They might try and implement the same thing over here to kind of gain because they reckon some US um, like healthcare firms might come over here, and obviously that like, benefit America if they're coming over here more than it's benefiting us. Would have to pay to, yeah, see like Fair people. Enough. So uh, yes, yeah, one of those things really. Yeah. I think with um, NHS wise, if we had a kind of these like a loose world state so everybody is their own still their own country but we're part of the earth rather than uh us and them if i think with the nhs if that would allow us to you know stop developing so much into nuclear weapons because that's quite a large part of our budget isn't it um it's i'd say it's quite a big part but i'll tell you another big part of where the money's gone is um back in 2017 when the toys didn't have a majority so they actually paid um dep apparently 10 billion pounds yeah. just so they could form into government with them and that's obviously a lot of money and people reckon if they use that money for other stuff like the nhs and peace yeah. offices then nothing would have to have been cut in the first place yeah. so people reckon that um that's probably more had a much bigger impact than some of the other stuff that's okay. happening well i was thinking because if we manage to cut certain parts out of the budget because i mean we already have enough nuclear weapons to pretty much wipe out the earth uh, which is fun to know. 
And (laughs) so if we use that to actually fund the NHS, surely that would be a lot better than, you know, free healthcare is better than trying to kill everyone, including ourselves. And um, the same kind of thing goes with solving the world's pollution problems and that kind of stuff. Because we can all band together and help rather than... uh, ignoring it or hasn't the uk recently i think parliament made like some sort of pledge where they would want to have is it zero percent something like in the air like pollution by 2050 i think we're one of the first countries in the world to do that i think besides i think finland and is it norway or sweden i don't know one of them but pledges don't always mean what they mean some people just say it's like kicking a can down the road and then like waiting for someone else to deal with it in the future yeah yeah it's because it, I mean it's quite easy to solve all this oil pollution. We already have all the technology ready and waiting. If you ask pretty much any scientist in global warming department, yeah. they'll say we have the technology waiting. We're just waiting for the government. Because I think back in twenty eleven, there was road panels basically made. They just need the rest of the funding, and they're improving it still now. Road panels made, which basically are solar panels. And they can heat up the road when there's ice on it so there'll be less accidents. They can light up in the dark so, you know, there'll be less accidents. That sounds quite good, They actually. can charge electric cars as they're driving because obviously the sun will shine on them, charge them, and then they'll be able to wirelessly charge <coughs> it up for the car, which is great because that means we can actually have viable electric cars because currently we don't have pretty... Electric cars aren't really useful. I don't think... Especially not here. Yeah, I think if you're going to get an electric car here, get a hybrid car. Because then at least you have still got petrol, but then the electric, because there is only about, there's isn't there like only 15 places around the UK? Which I feel, I feel like that's too low, but there's very <laughs> limited places where you can They're get probably electric very low. charges, especially in Lincoln. But I think in other like, countries, it's not necessarily just with cars. I think with trains as well. We're doing something with trains where we can make them like much, much faster than bullet trains. I oh, think. Uh, maglev trains. But I think that was it, yeah. Yeah, they have them in, um, I think it's Japan. Yeah, I was thinking of Japan, but They're, I wasn't they're sure. really cool, because what they do is basically they have uh, electromagnets going on and off. And the ones in front turn on, basically pull the train forward, the ones in the back turn off, and then it keeps going along like that, so the, they turn on and off, and they just basically drag this train forward, because there's no friction involved, it's not wasting energy, and it can just go really, really fast, because it's just hovering above the track. It makes me just worry, like, if it could be an accident, like, how fast it's going, everyone just die. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's already accidents going on. Um, yeah. I think as long as we manage to sort out or the traffic right it'd be good i think most accidents happen i think on the road more than like anything else like so like the pain yeah. for example is the safest way to travel even though like some people think that's really dangerous because yeah. you're really like your miles high and yeah i mean we said this in the last episode that you were in that pretty much everybody's gonna die like you step out of your house you have a very high chance of dying you stay in your house you have a very high chance of dying <laughs> <laughs> and on that yeah. depressing note i feel like we should probably get back to uh patriotism a little bit because yeah, we're kind of like borderline going yeah. off it i mean that's fine as long as we're just not going miles off it <laughs> yeah that's all right um so we spoke a little bit about how i think that we can do it in like kantian views and all that lot how do you think we could um improve the state of patriotism as it currently is or do you think it is okay how it is at the moment that's the thing you know like i think years ago obviously with this country i think didn't we just have a big british empire so it's like one of the world's yeah, like we strongest. pretty much occupied the entirety of the. Earth. I think back then, like we kind of obviously was much more powerful than everywhere else. So we was, I reckon, we had kind of more patriotic views back then. Whilst yeah. now we're kind of just 
accepting everything and we're going Although, downhill. I feel like back then, because obviously we had a large empire and everybody was there with the monarch. I mean, uh, Canada still um, still accepts the queen and all that lot, I think. I'm not 100% sure. And, um, but back then you had different areas inside a country. So China was not so much the entire state of China. It was kind of little tribes and each of them had their own kind of warlords in them and so this i really love this kind of history <laughs> of china and um they still saw themselves as all being part of china but it wasn't the same idea as it was formed because patriotism only really started coming into existence around the 1800s i think it was yeah and that's when people started to actually develop the ideas of our country and our state that kind of thing and I think with like with Germany that kind of started coming in in the 1800s and you know Russia the motherland that kind of thing I think it's definitely a fine line between patriotism and nationalism so sometimes I'm not sure like what the exact difference is because I did some research earlier some people reckon it's the same some people reckon it's different so I'm not 100% sure if it is the same or not I think it depends on views but I read something earlier where I'm not sure if this is like 100% true. It might just be someone's depiction of it, but they reckon that patriotism is a right-wing like kind of view. Like typically, right-wing people are more likely to be very patriotic, more than left-wing people who think that it's not a good thing. So I think it also kind of falls into politics as well. Yeah, I feel like nationalism will probably be the extreme of patriotism because everything kind of comes in a balance. Yeah. And if you have too much patriotism, you'll stop questioning... Questioning what your country does and yeah. so that i feel like that's the point at which it becomes harmful and um i was talking to you about the social contract theory so this has been talked about by like hobbes uh, john locke socrates rousseau uh, thomas jefferson one of the, oh yeah i think i, heard I think he was the second president of america was he someone that did the magna carta i'm completely um, wrong i think that i don't know to be honest but I'm, I'm not uh, thomas that, jefferson was the second president of america and people didn't really take him seriously as a philosopher because he barely wrote stuff down and that kind of stuff. Wasn't he a Democrat? Um, no, he wasn't. I don't know, because I, I know that George Washington wanted there to be a single party in America. So rather than having yeah, Democrats and Republicans, they think, just wanted yeah. one party that would support the country. So that's yeah, kind right. of good patriotism in where everybody's views get supported and if something goes wrong, it'll be stated. I think I remember yeah. actually watching a video on that a while ago, and it just came back to my head. I think years ago, the party, I'm not sure if I'm correct here, but a Federalist or something like that, I think that was the yeah. party's name. Okay. I think there's only one party, and I think it, after like a few years, it was finally other parties that started to form. So there was only one party at first. Yeah. Actually. And I think um, when two parties kind of came in, it kind of divided the country a little bit. Because, I mean, you see it in um, you see it in America, you see it in Britain, you see it in a lot of places where you have these two different parties. And, I mean, my conservative friends, they don't really like me <laughs> because I lean a little bit more over to Labour, even though I'm not really a massive fan of politics myself. I'd say I'm a centrist. Yeah. Like, if I see a moderate leader who's... Um, so, like, what I've noticed with the Conservatives is that they believe it's capitalism at all costs. I do believe yeah. in capitalism, but not at all costs. I think yeah. capitalism is a good thing because it can be used to, to create, like, enhance the NHS and enhance other yeah. public service features. However, I think once it's capitalism at all costs, then it's not a good thing because yeah. it's just 
it's doing more I harm than good. Because um, uh, patriotism is pretty much a uh, product of capitalism. Yeah. So without capitalism, you can't really have patriotism. It's like, yeah. Yeah, because with, I mean, Russia with communists, is this one state. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. And so it's everybody shares everything. And obviously, communism doesn't exactly work. Uh, I think especially with in the past, you see a lot of people saying, if you look in history, communism doesn't work. And that's apparently just socialism because, doesn't either. <laughs> yeah, it's because communism in the past, they sprung it overnight. So obviously that dramatic change from com- uh, capitalism to communism isn't going to work. And then you also had other political forces in other countries making sure it didn't work. So you can't really use that as a reason why communism doesn't work, but it doesn't from the actual basis of Karl Marx and all that lot. Oh, yeah, but, wasn't he, like, extreme communist, Karl yeah. Marx? Yeah. I think Trotsky as well. Yeah. I went to um, a nudist camp, and there was a bunch of people sat on lawn chairs. And um, I was like, have any of you guys read Marx? And uh, they said, yeah, it all happens all the times. Well... That was a joke, that entire... I, I, I've first, never I, been to a nudist camp. See, at first I was working out... Okay, this is interesting. I've never heard this before. To say more, and I was like, actually, no, it's, it's definitely a joke. Yeah, because have any of you read Karl Marx? Have any of you got read Marx? Okay, I'm just, my humour is very kind of dad-like. Um, so I think back to what I was saying originally, yeah. is that my views are more centrist, so typical previous leaders such as like Gordon Brown, Tony Blair, yeah, um, John Major, even though he was conservative, he was quite a moderate conservative, um, and obviously liberal Democrats, I'm kind of more aligned with like centrism, like moderate um, principles. Yeah, yeah. The people that like care about the economy, but also care about NHS and are willing to invest in NHS and public services and everything, rather than just like just focusing on yeah. purely on capitalism. So like with Jeremy Corbyn, I, I do like the guy so much. What some of his pledges are really yeah. do support. However, looking at it from a centrist perspective, would it work? And also, it could actually destroy the Labour Party indefinitely. Yeah. Like, if you look again back to 1923, when Ramsay MacDonald um, became the first ever Labour Prime Minister, um, he had quite socialist ideology, ideology views. And apparently, as a result of that, his government only lasted for one year before it collapsed. Oh, wow. and it resulted in, I think, 1924 was a massive yeah. conservative victory. I think it was Stanley Baldwin, I forget. Yeah. yeah. So that like, typically in history, socialist, extreme left-wing Labour governments do seem to collapse and it destroys the party indefinitely, which I don't want. I'd rather yeah. party go back to the centre or kind of centre-left. Yeah. Like, the thing is, the same thing happens with far-right um, yeah, parties like as the well. Nazi party. So, like, the Nazi party. It kind of destroys the whole thing and people only go towards them in uh, times of extremes. Yeah. And so I think um, back... Because, I mean, a lot of the older generation say to students that they can't uh, demand this free education or higher uh, oh, yeah. minimum wage, that kind of stuff. And yet the only reason why we... I mean, we're not asking for that. We just ask for, like, affordable education and that kind of stuff and affordable living wages. But I think a lot of the reason of why uh, the younger generation are asking for that is because the older generation try to create a society in which they do have free education, they do have higher wages. And that kind of ended up crashing the economy a little bit. So now the prices of university have skyrocketed. Yeah. I think back 50 years ago, you could work a part-time job at like McDonald's or something and earn enough to actually pay for the entirety of your uh, education. Well, Where yeah. now, we yeah. have to, you know, it would take about three full-time jobs to actually <coughs> scratch the surface of what we have to pay. 
I think once we graduate, we'll have to pay around sixty to seventy thousand plus interest. Yeah. Plus, oh yeah, they've decided to add interest. I know, it's only, crazy. I think it was last year that they decided to add interest. I read about it. I was like, is this actually for yeah. real? Because when we had somebody come in and tell us about university, they were saying the best part is you'll never have to pay interest. That's the great part about this. And then when we applied for UCAS, it's like, and uh, now you'll have an interest rate of zero point one seven. I think. It to was. be fair, the way I and see now it, it's like one point seven five. We'll, we'll never pay it off anyway. Yeah. So even if it is interest or not, it will make no difference to how much we actually end up paying off. Yeah. And it's only nine percent of earnings after twenty five k. So let's say if you went thirty k, only nine percent of five thousand, which yeah. isn't that much. I would eventually like to create my own kind of academy in which I can, um, you know, teach people how to process their emotions properly and all that lot and create an environment in which they can uh, prosper together, like uh, we said last time in our episode. And also a place that allows for scholarships and funding for business ideas and university and education. Isn't a GoFundMe site that does that? I'm not like, sure, where, where you, you post your idea, like, whether it's a business or, like, oh, to yeah, help someone. Oh, yeah, like, Kickstarter for businesses yeah. and all that lot. And then, like, you, you write your ideas down, what you plan to do, and then yeah. people can fund your idea, and if it reaches its goal, they can do it. Yeah. I would like to create a place in which I'll be able to um support people going for more education because yeah especially in like america because their debt works differently than here because oh, yeah we don't it's not framed as a debt it's just money that we wouldn't really ever see anyway and all that lot and where in america it's kind of you know definitely like, like some debt. of my um friends that didn't go to uni they, like when I talk about university, they say this to me like, "Well, you got your debt," but then I try and explain yeah. to them that we don't actually really have to pay it back unless we're earning enough, like yeah. more than enough to even and pay it, it back. And it doesn't really affect our credit score and that kind of stuff because yeah. it's not really a proper. Yeah, what even does really affect credit debt. score? Because I'm not um, really sure. Credit score, what affects it is kind of like if you take a loan out. Yeah. And you don't pay it on time, your credit score will go down. So I've so got a phone bill. Like how reliable you are in paying stuff. So, so I've got a phone contract, and I pay it every month. Um, yeah. Like when I'm meant to, would that contribute to my credit score? I have no idea. Because apparently Cause we, don't, I, we don't learn this in school. Exactly. Really. Like when, when I apply for this, they said to me, um, "You're too young. We don't, we don't know what your yeah. credit score is because you haven't really got much of a history. So we're going to have to yeah. charge you more money and put you on a different tariff." It it might actually affect your credit score then, because I, I it think does. it's how well you pay stuff that you owe. So if you owe something, it's how well you pay it. So I don't think student loans would get involved in that because yeah. you don't have to pay it. If as long as if you earn a certain amount, a little bit gets taken out of your wage. I think it's like nine pounds a month once you've hit the actual limit of how much you have to pay, which is barely yeah, anything. It's, it's twenty five thousand actually. That's cheaper than a gym It used, used to be twenty one thousand um, yeah. threshold, but it's been moved up to twenty five. Yeah. Some some speculate it will go up crazy. again. Um, which is great for us to be honest like years ago but, to be fair yeah. it used to be free to go to university yeah. from a poor background so uh, some people blame the Blair administration like Tony Blair for yeah. introducing tuition fees in the first place because he put them up to a maximum I think it was of 3000 a year and he did that yeah. so he could afford other areas to invest in like the NHS and public services which I believe is not is yeah. a good thing as long as using the money for other services yeah. rather than just like to improve the economy it's, it's because education was free in the first place that it's kind of gone up as high as it has because I think if it was about three I think three grand yeah it was like reasonable education course uh, uh, yeah. is good I think it was three grand no it was one grand a year to begin with then it went to three grand a year yeah. then I think in 2010 or 11 the Tories um, said that 
they're going to change it where the universities could potentially put up to a maximum of 9,000. And yeah. surprisingly, the Liberal Democrats actually backed that in the coalition yeah. government, even though they were, they were against that. Yeah. So we've got two birds with one stone, so they destroyed the Liberal Democrat Party, and it meant that every single university in the country put their fees up to 9,000 a yeah. year. No, it's nine and a half. Yeah, it's, apparently Theresa May said... maintenance yeah. loans. Theresa May said yeah. it's going to stop now. Like It's going to yeah. stay at what it is permanently. <laughs> it won't. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Uh, hopefully it doesn't reach 10,000, because that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's pretty much nobody can afford. Um, so, do you have any more points on kind of the patriotism side of um. this? <laughs> trying to think what i've already said um yeah, so obviously it's, it can be a good and a bad thing obviously a bad thing is if it goes to to large extremes to the point where it becomes racist and going against certain people in society so i'm not sure if this comes into it entirely but like um like the kind of stigma with muslims at the moment people seem to yeah. think that they're the ones to blame in society for everything that goes on so um let's say there's a terrorist attack people say oh it was, it was yeah. a muslim or yeah exactly yeah (laughs) so for like would that kind of fall into patriotism because you're kind of claiming that you're better than these people because because these people are doing are likely to do this (laughs) i suppose that would fall under the pretense of bad patriotism so if you were saying if you're using uh the actions of a few to describe the many of people from other countries that is the point at which patriotism comes bad so if you were to actually say that um, obviously, because I mean, there I've heard a lot of Americans say on podcasts and all this lot that uh, America comes first, and then it's their, you know, religion or um, personal views. And I think when it comes to that, it starts to impede on your opinions of everybody else, because if you see, say, one Muslim attack America, then they start to think, oh, all Muslims are out to Exactly. America. And another thing I've noticed recently is that whenever there's been, like, attack that would be classed as terrorism, but it wasn't a Muslim, they didn't describe it as terrorism. Yeah. So I saw in the news, like, I think a year ago, or just before then, that there was a white person that did so-called terrorist attack, but he wasn't yeah. described as a terrorist. He was just described as an attacker or someone yeah. did something wrong. But once it's a Muslim, it's automatically assumed yeah. as terrorist. Like, it's kind of the labels. And it's like when um, the American... Oh, it's either an American or a British person. I feel like it's more might be a British person. We basically is. got a van and yeah, drove that was it the, into a mosque. Yeah, that that was actually yeah. what I was um I think referring to, where yeah. people didn't describe it as a terrorist attack because it was yeah. a British person. But if it would have been a Muslim that drove into a Christian it church, it would have been a terrorist. Yeah, it was an attack against the country. Call it what it is. It's terrorism. <laughs> By definition of the word, it's terrorism. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, attacking against the country is terrorism, and that. By not calling it that just because they were born in the country, that kind of goes against patriotism itself. Because patriotism is there to uh, support the country's ideas and values. And so America's values is kind of freedom, make sure everybody has the ability to get anywhere on the market ladder, that kind of stuff. It's a free global... No, not free. It's a free market state. So. Uh, do you know the name of it where they it's like um the i know what you mean because like i know this country's a, a mixed economy where we've got like things that are nationalized like the nhs yeah. and other things like are privatized but then with um america nothing seems to be nationalized it seems to always yeah. everything is privatized so you have to pay for everything yeah pay for but uh, 
everything basically. Yeah, it's like no school. matter where you are, you're able to get onto the market ladder. Oh, wow. I'm trying to think yeah. about schools. <laughs> I don't know. But it's in like America, you kind of have like a free economy. That's one of yeah, the Yeah, values. that's what we learn in economics. And yeah. most countries are mixed economies. Like, I think China is also the opposite. It's where it's a nationalist, I think. Yeah. They're not, I'm trying to remember what it's called, where um, everything's basically nationalized. So um, everyone, I think, pays more in taxes and stuff to nationalise. So Jeremy Corbyn, for example, who wants to nationalise the railway, nationalise, I think, banks. So um, that would kind of put it more in the direction of, like, the country being nationalised. Yeah. Whilst um, currently it's a mixed economy, so we kind of have the best of both, world, best of both worlds. So yeah. a free NHS, so it's nationalised, but we also have to pay for something. So it's kind of... So, like, we contribute to the economy to improve the economy, but we also get benefits from paying taxes rather than just yeah. getting nothing. But then some argue that... Taxes would be a lot higher if everything was nationalised. So I think some people say if Jeremy Corbyn got in, he would put the taxes up extremely high to the point where um, people just wouldn't feel like they're getting any money. Just so the people who are lower end would also benefit, but people on kind of middle end wouldn't necessarily benefit. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of trying to find the middle ground where we currently are a mixed economy um, where some things are nationalised but some things aren't. But yeah. with, with America, they, they've gone the complete opposite way where nothing seems to be nationalised. And yeah. it, it seems like every day is, it's harder to get rich and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, well, I mean, with America, I think the statistics show that it's kind of easier to get rich in certain areas. Yeah. But I think with the More idea of well. all, everything being privatised... If you don't have a lot of money, you pretty much can't go to the hospital or anything. Yeah, exactly. Like that. So some people, um, yeah. I think, I don't know if I've read somewhere, but apparently Boris Johnson's planning on trying to privatize the NHS. Yeah, it's kind of a strange state because I mean, I feel like all need if an emergency would, yeah. happens and you don't have the money to pay exactly. for it. It's I feel like they've kind of, kind of taken money out of the NHS so yeah. we can say it's not working. We need to get rid of it then to prioritise it. If, if they injected more money into it, then it should be fine. Yeah. Because obviously there's a growing population, so each year there'll be more people needing to use it and there'll be to be more workers as well. But if the money, if the funding's not going up, if it's going down or staying the same, then it's not going to, the supplier's not going to reach the demand. Mm. Of course. So I think now we're going to go into giving our conclusions of what we kind of feel patriotism is. Because, and I know I've been talking a lot, but I think yeah, you don't mind me going first. Yes, yeah, of course, it's fine. Yeah. So for me, I feel like patriotism kind of does have its good and bad sides. So patriotism brings an entire country together to work on ideals and values, and it can allow a place to support the good ideas. But I feel like as soon as it gets to the point of you have to love your country no matter what, and you're not allowed to say that they're doing something wrong so like Definitely. if a kid is doing something wrong a parent will tell the kid even though they still love them i think as soon as it gets to that point it becomes starting to become negative uh, yeah. what do you think oh like you said is um i'm kind of on the fence with it as that's my perspective on it um i think it's a good thing in terms of bringing people together so when the world cup was on last year i've noticed that lots of um, people came together to watch football matches and people seemed quite energetic and quite happy actually which is quite an interesting change for Britain since everyone yeah. always complains about the weather <laughs> and the rain so I, was, I guess that was a good thing people coming together and I don't know, um, hoping that we'd win and celebrating something when we did win those matches but if it goes beyond um, that and it leads to racism then I feel like that's when it needs to stop because yeah, that's going too far and that's when it's not a good thing in my opinion yeah 
I reckon um, the Kantian view of world states, as long as it's kind of loose and so that every country is still their own place and all that lot, and creating this League of Nations might be a good place to start to creating harmony in the world because there's a lot of um, dissonance going on in which people are, you know, hating other people and creating this negative attitude towards everyone and i feel like if we can actually get this conversation out it'd be a great place to uh start and maybe get together a bit more i feel like the media should be less biased as well because the media definitely plays a huge role in people being against other people yeah or at least the media should advertise their biases so if they are advocating a certain political party they should say look we're writing from the side of this this is why we're doing it here's the story yeah, and so people will be allowed more able to decide for themselves rather than just listening to the first thing that they see. So I think that's good. So thank you so much for coming on, Brandon. You've been yeah, a been great awesome. help. <laughs> yeah, I always do. I I do enjoy our discussions. It's so great. Yeah. But uh, thank you everybody for listening. Make sure you check out for the rest of our podcast, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Goodbye. <laughs>